Welcome to the Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 97. We'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for December 16th, 2018. The lesson title is Action. It is the 11th of the series Inside Out, which takes us through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Faith is the power that moves. So our scripture today is Matthew 7, 20. So then you will know them by their fruits. This, of course, is that part of scripture where Jesus is telling us how to pick a good grocery store. Go right to the produce section. It's not it. It's not it, is it? This is the part where he's telling us how to know if you're on the right track. And that's important. It was important then and it's important now. I don't know about you, but I am preoccupied way too much with, did I do it right? Did I check all the boxes? Did I do it right? Have I fulfilled all the obligations? Did I have the paperwork in? It's time to to claim my benefits for insurance in the new year. Did I do it right? I don't know. Did I fulfill all the rules over and over again? Did I do it right? And, And it seems like in this day and age, when I'm not sure, when I'm confused by the rules, my solution in culture is to add more rules. We've got a lot more rules, but are we any happier? More and more, the question comes up, did I do it right? And you can look a lot of places. You can consult a lot of sources. You can email HR over and over again. You can make the phone calls. And you never really know. Here's the thing. As long as my validation comes from somewhere outside myself, it doesn't matter how many emails I get, how many papers I have, who testifies to it. As long as my validation comes from somewhere else, that doesn't help me sleep at night. When your validation... Your reassurance comes from someplace deeper things get easier. And so here's Jesus saying, you know that you're on the right track in a different way. Man, oh man, I wish I had understood that sooner. You see, I was a bad kid. Now, I don't mean my behavior. I wasn't any worse behaved than any preacher's kid. Uh, Let's not talk about that, actually. Um, But that's not what I mean. When I say I was a bad kid, I mean I was bad at it. I hated it. I didn't like being young. I didn't like being in that little body. I didn't like the limitations inherent to not being able to reach the counter or drive a car or or any of those things that I thought were really important. I hated having all of these feelings, these ideas that I had that I could not express. You know that feeling? Whether you're five or 105, I think everybody knows that feeling. Just, oh, even though I'm probably going to make mistakes, let them be my mistakes. Can I have something that's just mine? And I spent so much time that I should have spent enjoying being a kid, not being a kid, but instead trying to figure out how to grow up faster. You might as well try to pull the blades of grass out of the ground to get them to grow because you're where you are for a reason. Enjoy where you are. Learn from where you are so that you can grow. But I didn't know that. I thought for sure that somewhere along the line I would be admitted into the secret society of big people. Sooner or later. Someone would come along and tell me the secret handshake, the password to the clubhouse. Sooner or later, I would be taken into that special room where the golden book of here's how to do it, the grown-up book. I thought for sure there would be this thing that happened. And, you know, I grew up in a religious tradition where we weren't big on rites of passage. You know, some people have that thing that happens, whether it's a bar mitzvah or a communion or a sweet 16. I would have settled for a quinceanera if I could have just had that feeling of, here you go. 
I really thought that that would have happened. Here you go. I was so focused on that distant quest that I didn't notice something really important. There's a lot of grown-ups that don't know anything. There's lots of people, way over 18, there's lots of people who have had some kind of ceremony, a rite of passage, who don't know any more than I knew at eight. And there are people who are way younger than 18 who've got a pretty good thing going. All of a sudden, we realize that it has nothing to do with the outer validation. It's the same old story, isn't it? That's not where it comes from. But I didn't see it at the time. I thought for sure that someday I'd get that memo, the letter to Hogwarts, something, anything. Let me in. I thought for sure. But as it turns out, the outer validation, the ceremony, doesn't make you any which away. You know people who have been through some kind of a ceremony. Doesn't mean anything. Unless there's something going on on the inside. You can marry somebody you don't love. It doesn't make love appear. You can cheat on your final exam and graduate. Don't make you smart. You can go through the outer thing and it won't fix you at best. The outer ceremony is a validation, a celebration of something that is going on on the inside. There's the deal. The outer thing is supposed to be a celebration of an inner knowing, an inner connection. That changes everything. Because for the people that Jesus was talking to, they were waiting for the outer thing. They were waiting for this Messiah to show up. They were waiting for the bolt from the clouds, the booming voice, the Charlton Heston stuff. They were waiting for it to happen from somewhere else. Over and over again, the, the question was, when is this Messiah going to show up? With the crown and the armies and big horses and the whole Lord of the Rings moment. When is this going to happen? And just like Lord of the Rings, actually, the king shows up in a very different way. Jesus says, you know, I'm the guy. But this is not how you think it's going to go. I'm the guy, but, but I'm not here to fix you. Think about how important that is. I am not here to say abracadabra and all of a sudden you're different. Because who you are right now is important, special, a miracle. I'm not here to fix you. Instead, I am the Messiah and that means you and me together are going to work on something. You and me are going to grow together. You and me are going to change things. That's the message. I'm not here to fix you or validate you. I'm here to grow with you. The Messiah is already here, he was saying. Stop waiting. And in fact, that's the deal. That's the paradigm shift. What happens if we stop waiting for permission? If we stop waiting for the, the Messiah to show up in the form of, of Jesus Christ or in the form of a winning lottery ticket or in the form of walking papers or a gold watch or the promotion or the whatever it is? What if we stop waiting for somebody else to say, you're grown up now. How many people, no matter how old they are, are waiting for that magic little head pat? never happens. At least it's never happened to me. I don't think it's happened to anybody because it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. What if we stop waiting for the answer to show up? Because think about it. Everything is done to us according to our faith, we're taught. And if my faith, my belief system, my paradigm is that the answer is somewhere else and I'm waiting for it, then what I get is more of that feeling of distance. If I'm waiting for the miracle, the miracle will never come because my faith is in the distance. 
What if my faith is here? What if the idea is really thy kingdom come instead of, hey, watch that kingdom go by, <laughs> like an airplane or something? What if it's here? So what if my paradigm is not waiting anymore, but rather looking for something that is already here? I just have to find it. I know it's here somewhere. It's like a Where's Waldo book. You're guaranteed that Waldo is in there somewhere. It'd be a heck of a thing if he wasn't on some of the pages. I want my money back. He's there. That's the contract that you fulfill by buying the book. I'm telling you that your spiritual self, I'm telling you that the child of God part of you, I'm telling you that the miracle of this life is here, cannot be separated from you any more than biology can be separated from you. It is the truth about you. So much more importantly than hands and feet or biological processes, you are a spiritual being right now, so let's stop waiting for it and let's start looking for it. And that little difference, I promise, will change things right now. As it turns out, your job description as a child of God is to look for clues. Look for clues. Think about your life. There are things going on right now that will tip you off to God happening. Maybe in big ways, but a lot of times in just little moments. Think about the fact that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what, you want love and happiness and success. You want to grow. Everybody does. Who put that there? Really, who put that there? You want to grow in ways that are different than what your parents said was important? You want to grow in ways that are different than what you grew up with? You want to grow in ways that are uniquely you? If you really sit, and sit in it, think about it. Somebody put that there. Fingerprints. Clues. And you know what? You can really start to work on forgiveness if you realize that those people in your life that you're having a hard time with, you know what? They're working on it too. They want to be happy. Yeah, maybe they got a weird definition of happiness, but they're working on it. Who put that there? Each and every moment is an opportunity to look for some clues. But the best place to look is what Jesus said. Look for the fruits. You know God's happening when you look for the things that work. <coughs> Excuse me. What's working in your life? Find it. Yeah, I know it might be that there's giant sections of, of this existence that aren't working out so well. But some things work, just like a cup of coffee placed by a beautiful woman on a podium. What works in your life? Find it. Might be a tiny thing, but let's start where we start. What works for you? Lean into what works. There's some little thing that is functional in your life. There are a lot of churches you can go that will emphasize the dysfunction and the brokenness and the separation. I'm here to tell you... Find what connects you. Find what works and lean in. And maybe it's a tiny little thing. My schedule in the morning works really well. I get up and I have coffee and I go to work. Fine, start there. But ask yourself the important questions. Why does this work? Why does this speak to my heart? Grow with it and it will grow you. Lean in to what works. And maybe this is why this, this whole section of scripture is important. Jesus is telling people this whole you know them by their fruits thing. Because he's telling people how to watch out for false prophets. That's the part. If you, Some of your Bibles have like the little headline that describes the sections and it'll say false prophets. Well, what does that mean? You know he wasn't concerned about brand recognition. There were no Jesus Christ t-shirts. There are now, but there weren't then. 
But I'll tell you what, even in the Holy Land at that point, there was opportunity for merchandise. You know there was. There was opportunity to do the ego thing. There was opportunity to have that happen. And we still wrestle with the idea that some people, instead of living the Christian life, are focused on worshiping a guy, even though he said, guys, don't do that over and over again. But he didn't do that. He wasn't talking about false prophets for the purpose of brand loyalty. Because here's the thing about false prophets. No matter why they get into it, because you know what? There's a lot of money in being a false prophet. I have the keys to the kingdom, and you can only get them if you pay me in five easy payments. There's ego reasons why it's fun to stand up in front of a group of people and have them tell you you're amazing. Man, I'm proud of a lot of things about this church. So many things. This is my heart. But one of the things that I'm really proud of is in this room, there are a lot of people that if I said something crazy would call me on it. I love that because that's what family does. I have no need to be adored and worshipped. I have every need for us to call us on our stuff to grow through something together. That's important. It's key. So he wasn't talking about it for those reasons, but the truth is no matter why somebody gets into the false prophet business, the things that they have in common are that they tell you to put your power away. A false prophet, the definition of a false prophet is someone who tells you to take your power and put it somewhere else, that they become a middleman between you and spirit. You must trust me, and you must trust this mechanism that I built and this incredible hierarchy, and it becomes like a pyramid scheme to God. A false prophet is someone who gets you to put your power aside. And by now, you're probably thinking with me something that's really important. Most false prophets these days aren't people. Think about what is getting you to give your power away if you're an average person. It's usually not a person. Usually it's a way of thinking. Usually it's something that you bought into. I grew up with the idea that we're all no good. That's a false prophet. I grew up with the idea that life is hard, false prophet. I grew up with the idea that we're all supposed to just suffer and suffer and then we die, false prophet, because we know better. We've experienced moments of brilliance and beauty that tell us that life doesn't have to be about that, false prophet. As my friend Gary says, man, I'm so blessed to know wise people. As my friend Gary says, it's all BS. You know, Belief systems. Wait, what did you think? It's all your belief system. What you believe in mediates your experience of life. If you believe, for example, that God is small and doesn't like you, small life. If you believe that you're no good, small life. If you believe that you're going to fall in love, man, oh man, you'll figure it out. God will figure it out for you because you left just a little window for God to happen. If you want to fix your life, Understand that what you believe is going to mediate the way your life works. If you want to fix your life, check your BS. This is important, and I'd love to put that on a T-shirt. Fix your BS. Check out what you really believe in. And if you want to know what you believe, because that's the question, okay, well, then what do I believe? Watch what you do. You will know you by your fruits. Watch what you do, not what you say. I mean, I do the thing. I stand up and I talk, but I sure hope my life mirrors what I have in my heart. That's my goal. Does your life mirror what you have in your heart, what you want to be true, what you want to experience? Does your life measure up to that? I mean, one time I worked with somebody, and they were the boss of this company, 
And they made such a big deal about how I am the servant. Yes, I am the, the leader, the CEO. I want to use generic terms because I'm not calling anybody out. I'm the grand poobah of this organization. Yes, yes, I'm in charge. I'm where the buck stops. But I am the lowest rung on the ladder. I am here to serve you. And they went through that. Every time there was some kind of meeting or something, I am at the bottom of this. I am just a humble servant. And man, they talked about their humility so much. They really celebrated it. Wait a minute. But I liked the idea of it. It sounded good. It sounds good, right? But one of the things this person did was they, the building had a drop-off, you know, because it's Florida. It rains all the time. The building had a little drop-off where you could drive under and people could go in without getting in the rain. And this person had a special parking place just right under the drop-off, which screwed up the drop-off for anybody that had a, a handicapped, able vehicle or something like that. And there was a special parking space under the drop-off that said reserved for the servant. Wait a minute. Now, that's a tiny little thing, tiny little thing, whatever. But it spoke to the bigger problem. Do the things you do match what you want to have true in your heart? Look out for that. Watch your BS, because that is BS, the other guy. It's BS. So watch how you behave, and not so much the words. We get hooked up on the words, fixated on the words. What are you doing? Does it work? In your life, that's the test. Watch out for any system, any relationship. This is big when you're talking about romantic stuff. Watch for any family situation that asks you to suspend your utility. In other words, it doesn't work. Don't worry about it not working. Just keep buying into this thing. Yes, it's dysfunctional. The definition of dysfunctional is doesn't function. But go ahead and buy into it because it's what you're supposed to do. If you really loved me, you wouldn't ask for a life that works with me. If you really loved me, you'd put up with this weirdness because, you know, love. Love works. And if you're being asked to put up with something that doesn't work, that ain't love. So find a way to put love into it or find a way to get your shoes on and go. That's the deal. Instead of suspending utility, find ways to demand it. Because here is me telling you that by the power vested in me, in whatever way it's vested in me, I'm telling you that you are allowed to ask for a life that works. That is table stakes. So watch out for any system that requires you to be broken. You know what I mean? There are churches that say, if you want to come in and participate, let's all be broken together. There are relationships that say, let us emphasize, because, you know, misery loves company. Let's, let's all be miserable together. There are all those kinds of things. Ask yourself, really, really, if I was going to give homework, here's the homework. Look at your relationships, your job relationships, your romantic relationships, your affiliations in whatever way. And ask yourself, does it require me to be broken in order to participate in this? Because if it does, it's going to keep you broken. False prophet. <laughs> Watch out for that. Instead of that, find things that heal you. Does it heal? I know, I know that pain is misery leaving the body. That's a great, or, I'm sorry, pain is weakness leaving the body. Pain is weakness leaving the body. It's a great thing to paint on the wall of a gym. And yeah, I suppose it's true in a way. I get that. I, I, can, I can get down with that idea. But the problem with that idea is so many people go, yeah, pain is weakness leaving the body. So I'm going to go looking for pain everywhere I go. No, that ain't it. That's a side effect. So much of the spiritual path has to do with putting things in the right order, putting the horse back in front of the cart. You know what I mean? If, 
if you fall in love with somebody and you really feel that love in your heart, something happens and you go and do things about it. Maybe you write poems, maybe you give gifts, but it starts with this feeling. You want a life that works? Find something that you feel profoundly, so profoundly that you are moved to action, but do it in that order. If I love you, maybe I'll buy you some presents. But it's creepy and weird to go, I bought you presents, you love me, right? That kind of relationship will put you in jail. Doesn't work that way. But it's amazing. We laugh, but you know that there are a lot of people who live their lives that way. I got the outer thing, therefore I have earned the inner thing. It's back to the rite of passage thing, right? Man, we're going to have to redefine some things. The opposite of a false prophet is a holy person, right? That's kind of what we think of. So what's that word mean? When I say the word holy, what do you think of? I mean, one of the definitions of holy is something that's far away. Don't go in there. It's holy. Don't do that. It's, that's holy ground. We don't do anything over there. It's, it's walled off. It's fenced in. Don't take your shoes off. You know, that kind of an idea. But wait a minute. When we, when we think of Scripture, we're told over and over again, go walk on the holy ground. Go participate in the holy ground. Go dance on it. Build something on it. Participate. Grow something in it. Holy ground is a place you're supposed to go. So the definition of holy is something that's far away ain't going to work for me. In fact, it leads me to another definition of the word holy, and that is full of holes. Watch out for that. Oh, in order for it to be spiritual, it means that I have to have it not work. In order for it to be spiritual, I have to hurt myself. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, says Jesus. So the full of holes thing ain't going to work for me. But as it turns out, if you have a dictionary or Google, you can look up the etymology of the word holy, and it comes from the same root as the word whole, W-H-O-L-E. Holiness means the same thing as wholeness. Holiness means altogether, one, really there. The gang's all here, the lights are on, and everybody's home. Think about moments in your life where you have really felt that something was holy, Think about that moment on Christmas morning where you, you got past the present stuff and you got past the weirdness of having to be in a room with your family and you got past all of that. Think about that moment on Christmas morning where it's just okay. Think about all of the movies about Christmas when over and over again the theme is, oh, it's not about the stuff, even the Grinch. Christmas doesn't come from a store. I love that line. The idea is instead the magic, the holiness of Christmas morning is that love happens, that we're all here together. Think about holy moments in your life. I got to tell you, I have been in the presence of great, great minds and people that are called gurus and spiritual teachers and ministers. I have participated in so many ceremonies that I felt were holy. I've stood on the foot of a mountain and realized that something big and amazing is happening. I've looked true love in the face and known it. I have experienced holiness in so many ways and so have you. And the thing that all of those experiences have in common is that they felt connected. Holiness is defined by connection, by togetherness, by wholeness. That's the secret. If it's holy, it brings together. And in fact, something that's truly holy has that amazing density, that mass that draws other things in. When something is truly holy, it's not that it's all together, but that it draws us all together. Holiness is unitive. And that's a big deal. Because that magnetic quality is something that everybody wants. I can't tell you how many times people say, oh man, I wish I was more magnetic. 
I wish I could attract to myself money. I think of those people on the beach with the headphones, and they live their lives that way. Their family's playing over there, and they're here looking for some Cracker Jack prizes. People live their lives like that. If I could only attract to myself something, some kind of money or, or my soulmate, if I could only attract that job that I want, if I could only attract that situation. But once again, if I'm waiting for my good, if my idea is that good is somewhere else, I'm never going to get there. Could have gone home all the time, Dorothy, right? There's, this, there's the thing. I say it all the time because it's true all the time. If you want to be magnetic, if you want to attract to yourself that thing that you yearn for, if you want to attract, stop reading the Law of Attraction books for just a minute. If you want to be magnetic, learn how to be holy. In other words, find something that expresses holiness in your life. Stop worrying about how the money is going to come in and just be where you are for just a moment. If you want to be holy, you must make an atonement. Ooh, that's a fancy word. It's a spiritual word. It sounds a little bit rough, like I'm going to have to do something that's uncomfortable. Well, maybe. But the word doesn't mean, like, forgiveness. Like, people think, oh, I must atone for this. That's not what I'm talking about. Although, if you screw something up, yeah, go make it right. But that's a lesson for another time. Atonement means at one mint. At one mint. In other words, if you want to be holy, if you want to be magnetic, if you want a prosperous life, a healthy life, a life that works... Do something in the name of oneness. Make your at one mint. Yesterday, a bunch of us served at the Feeding America Food Bank, and you, you know, Jenny talked about that a minute ago. It was amazing. We worked so hard, and we danced, and we sang, and it was crazy and beautiful, and I was just, I had to buy a new shirt. I was so sweaty. It was awful, but amazing, beautiful. I loved it. And one of the things that I loved about it was all over that big warehouse, I don't know if everybody noticed who was there, but all over the warehouse they had these posters of people. And different ways, the sayings were different on different posters, but basically it, it said, we're all in this together, I'm just like you. It's not that certain people are other and we're supposed to look down on them. They is us. Our at one was the idea that, you know what, we're all in this together, so here, here's some canned food. It wasn't complicated. But because we were gathered not in the name of pity or shame or, or lack, we were gathered in the name of at one we were one there. And man, the teamwork was amazing. It's not a competition, although we destroyed the other teams. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you. Because they would just keep bringing in forklifts full of pallets and stuff, and we had to sort it out and put it in boxes and run it to the shelves, and we were moving so fast that we cleared out our stuff way before the other, the other groups. I call them teams. I guess they were groups. Whatever. <laughs> teams. But I mean, it wasn't even close. And it was because we loved it. But it was because we worked together. When you step out in terms of at one you start to experience oneness right away. And we worked together. And man, oh man, we saw pe some people left early because the work was too hard. So you know what we did? We took over for them. And the people who worked there said, I can't, thank you, I'm sorry that you have to do this. And I'm not, because I'm doing it. Here you go, let's move some boxes. It was amazing. It was prosperity. That's how this works. Make your at one mint. And if you want to make your at one mint, I'm going to give you a magic incantation. You ready? Here's the secret magic words. How's that working for you? That's the phrase. 
Tattoo it on something, write it on something, put it on a post-it note. How's that working for you? When you look at your life, look around and go, you know what, these people, they're so mean to me and I don't like the way that they, how's that working for you? Because you are allowed to demand a life that works. If you want to be a good friend, a good partner, a good romantic whatever to the people in your life, learn how to ask them. Say it nicely. You don't have to be mean about it, but find a nice way to say, how's that working for you? Because I want you to have a life that works. Find ways. And we can hide from functionality, but sooner or later, we break through. Every hero's story is a story of that moment when you know what? The stuff that doesn't work just falls apart. I love that moment in The Wizard of Oz where Toto pulls back the curtain and we see that all, everything that we were afraid of is just propped up from the inside. I really love that moment in Forrest Gump. Have you seen that movie? Everybody's seen Forrest Gump. It made millions of dollars. Go see it if you haven't seen it. It's a great movie. But there's that part at the beginning where the little Forrest Gump has those braces on his legs and those braces kind of define him and people laugh at him and all of that stuff. But what we don't know is those braces have been making him stronger. And the day comes when he is inspired to run. The first time in his life. And he runs. And because he has been made stronger, the moment comes because he gives himself to running. The braces fall away. And he is now defined not by his limitation, but by his speed. To the point where every time we run a marathon, a hundred different people go, run for us. It's become a thing we say. You have been through some stuff. It has been like braces on your legs. But I promise, it has made you stronger. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to define you anymore. Find something that works and lean into it. Because, baby, it is time to run. It's time to run. You got places to go. You got lessons to learn. It's time to run. It's time for your holiness. And it's time for your freedom. Because, after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, 
there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 Third Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.